Welcome to Get Up in the Cool, old-time music with Cameron DeWitt and friends. This is a very special episode because my guest is Seth Swingle. We recorded this interview at Clifftop last year, very late in the festival. Seth was actually my eighth recording that week, so when he said he wanted to showcase solo banjo music in weird tunings, I said, so... So you mean I don't have to learn any tunes? I, I I could just sit and listen to you? I was very excited. I actually just got back from this year's Clifftop a couple days ago, and I'm still totally exhausted and can't fit any more tunes in my brain or people in my heart. Um, make sure to stick around after the interview, and I'll tell you how to buy Seth's music and learn how to play banjo from him. Also, uh, details on how to support Get Up in the Cool and get exclusive bonus content. All right, it's been a long time coming. Here's some tunes from Seth Swingle and some lovely conversation. Enjoy! Right on. Yeah. Uh, uh, Short and bred by who? McKinley Asher. So McKinley I, Asher. I learned about him from this awesome, unfortunately out of print uh, collection called the uh, the Library of Congress Banjo Collection that uh, Bob Carlin um, put together and edited. I think it came out in the late 80s or early 90s. Uh, it was on Rounder. It's unfortunately not really available right now. I think you'd have to get out of a library, but it had a lot of just very interesting recordings, most of them done by uh, uh, Alan Lomax on one of his southern uh, trips. And my favorite uh, from among a bunch of really great banjo players was this guy, McKinley Asher. He was recorded in Hyden, Kentucky, and he was certainly related somehow to Boyd Asher the Fiddler because they were both recorded the same day in Hyden at uh, McKinley Asher's store. Hmm. Um, he was retired apparently uh, by then, or like he had the store, but he had uh, apparently somehow gotten kind of lucky in the uh, <laughs> the great sweepstakes of life, and so didn't have to uh, work as much at that point. And mm. I think it sounds uh, in his playing too; he's a very right. fluid player. Um, yeah, yeah. He's got a bunch of really interesting songs, and that's one of the things that uh, hearing that collection and just gradually accumulating all of these sort of weird uh, banjo bits and pieces from from everywhere has made me concentrate more and more on like solo banjo traditions and also stuff that's in uh, interesting or unorthodox tunings and also um, you know I, I play more and more kind of weird right hand technique stuff now too yeah I, I noticed that was a uh, looked like a mix of um were you doing two, three finger? I couldn't mm-hmm. tell. And uh, strumming? Mm-hmm. And two, uh, two finger, and it's what uh, I would call index lead two finger after Mike Seeger. Okay. Basically, my, my conception of, of right hand techniques is claw hammer or frailing or whatever you want to call it. Yes. Um, claw hammer, uh, up picking. Yes. Uh, what Pete Seeger called basic strum. So yeah. picking up with the, uh, the nail of the index finger and then strumming down. Uh, with the back of that nail or else with the index finger or yes. with the uh, middle finger yes. um, and then thumb lead two finger and index lead two finger yeah. um, and then also uh, three finger index lead meaning you do the index on the downbeat um, no index lead as in you get the melody with the index I finger Very and, good. And, and pick the melody with, with the index finger because in two finger well in what we usually call two finger which is thumb lead um, you're getting all the melody notes with your thumb, and right, the, right. the index just hangs out on the first string, sometimes right. the second, and it's like the first becomes the fifth string to a certain extent. It's a, a drone or a, a note that generally isn't changed within the song. Yeah. Uh, with index, um, generally the thumb stays on the fifth uh, hmm. uh, fifth string, 
and then sometimes drops down. Interesting. Apparently, in North Georgia, there was a strong tradition of index lead uh, two-finger players, mm. and I've heard from various people that that's really all there was in North Georgia. Interesting. So if anybody out there has got some tapes of North Georgia uppickers, <laughs> I would really love to hear those. Um, yeah, that's uh, yeah, that's that's really interesting to watch. It mm-hmm. seems like you're doing a lot more than. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, he had a, a a pretty intricate style. You know, I think that pound for pound, Kentucky was probably the strongest in terms of uh, old time banjo. It's very diverse. A um, lot of different tunings, a lot of different styles. Some personal, some regional. Mm. Um, just you know, it was really strong. Um, I hate to say that as a Virginian, but uh, <laughs> yeah, we've got Hobart Smith. So, will you uh, tell us mm-hmm. how did you get into playing uh, old time music and? Mm-hmm. Banjo specifically. So uh, I, uh, <laughs> my uh, parents figured out pretty early on that uh, I was into music just because I would frequently be found standing like directly in front of the speakers as like a two-year-old. Like, yeah. I think basically before I could even like, yeah. So very young I was into that. And so um, my mother uh, uh, took me to uh, classical piano lessons, which is pretty fun. And then um, when I turned 10, our teacher told our class that we all had to go out and uh, learn another instrument so yeah. everybody else came back with violins and violas and I came back with a banjo Right on. Um, we went down to Merlefest that year when I was 10 and I saw Bela Fleck and Tony Treshka and well, was just do it, gobsmacked um, yeah. so I bought a banjo and I uh, I mean my parents bought me a banjo and uh, we came back to Charlottesville and looked around for a banjo teacher and found a guy named Pete Vigor um who has taught many, 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 many musicians in the Charlottesville area for like 30 years at least. Mm. Um, it's really, I think he's the reason that the Charlottesville scene is so strong is just because there's so many people that, that play yeah. the music. What styles does he teach? Uh, everything. He's a, uh, I mean, I think he teaches some bluegrass even. Um, but, you know, claw hammer and two finger. Um, he gave me my first two finger lessons. Also teaches guitar and fiddle and mandolin and mm. everything. Um so I went in for my first lesson, and he's like, great, you know, so what uh, what style of banjo do you want to play? And I was like, style? I mean, yeah, yeah. a banjo is a banjo is a banjo to me. Yeah. So he said, well, I know a couple of styles, but let's do the one that uh, I'm better at first, and if you don't like that one, then we can switch. And it was like two or three years later that <laughs> I was like, Pete, you know, Bela Fleck, he's, he's not a claw hammer player. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. It was too late by that point. <laughs> so yeah, yeah, that's how I got into it. Yeah. Um, Good story. Yeah. As for the banjo, I don't know. I mean, I think basically everybody that plays the banjo is just like, oh, yes, just the sound spoke to me. It's such a uh, yeah. a distinctive uh, sonic signature that I think you just like it instantly. Most people don't necessarily know. Yeah, like, I think most banjo styles, um, people can't tell the difference between the different mm-hmm. techniques because it all just sounds kind of like a wonderful texture that's really yeah. hard to mm-hmm. break apart and yeah yeah so um yeah let's see would you like another tune please yeah what, what's coming up next um that's a great question um tell you what i'll do uh, lost gander what was that uh what was that last tuning that you used so uh the first that last tuning was what's usually called open D or Reuben. So it's F sharp from the uh, fifth uh, string, F sharp D, F sharp A, D. I've been wanting to try that out a little more. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, it took me, for years, the only thing that I could think of to play there was uh, Reuben. Yes. Um, but actually, it was a much more common tuning than people realize, I think, particularly in Kentucky. I've run across a lot of people. So Banjo Bill Cornet used it, mm. um, and McKinley Asher, obviously. Yeah. It has a lot of G, mm-hmm. G shapes in it. Yeah. Oh, no, actually, only that song, um, okay. for whatever reason. And huh. God bless Bob Carlin for writing down what tuning it was in, because otherwise I never would have figured it out, yeah, because yeah. it's such a strange... That, yeah, that, Thanks, Bob. Yeah, yeah, really. <laughs> you did it again. Um, <laughs> I mean, to that guy everywhere. Um, yeah, so you can also use that. Uh, I think probably the most common tunes that people know in that tuning are Baptist Shout and also... Uh, Pete Steele's Coal Creek March is also out of that tuning. And there's some other stuff there as well. Um, 
Maybe I'll circle back around to it. Yeah. Um, so this tuning is that same one, except that the um, uh, middle string has been dropped a, uh, a whole step. So now you have to fret it at the second fret in order to get your one chord. Ah, uh, yes. Um, and this tune is called Lost Gander. It uh, has a lot in common with a couple other tunes under that name. I think... Uh, I think Virgil Anderson called it called it like Wild Goose Chase. So Virgil Anderson recorded a version, and I almost think Clyde Davenport might have uh, played something like it, or might play something like it. But this particular version is is Mike Seeger's, which he got from D. Hicks, who's a little known guy from uh, Tennessee. He and his wife did an album, an LP on County Way back in the day called uh, um, Tennessee Ballads and Banjo. I think it's County 789. Um, seriously hard to track down at this point um but it's got some great stuff on there and this tune uh i think mike seeger really popularized it Lost Gander. Lost Gander. That's it. That yeah. was so good. Thank that you. That was so cool. Mm-hmm. So that uh, that tune is F sharp D E A D. So oh my goodness, dead. So basically, I'm imagining that mm-hmm. whoever is this the only tune that really uses that, uh, and is it just for those harmonics? Yes, huh. to both of those things, I yeah. would say. I don't know any other tunes in this. Uh, I'm actually, I might. Um, I guess this is the only one that I know in this, but I mean, it's pretty obviously just a variant of the first, you know, that open D, I would say, so, that so, somebody got to in order to get those harmonics. For, for those of you who, you know, are unfamiliar with, uh, you know, how um, fretted and stringed instruments work, the harmonic is that sort of ghostly tone that most of the notes he's playing. And uh, he's not even pushing down on the string. He's just uh, pressing down on the natural, like, um, nodes. I, yeah. don't, I don't know the official words. Uh, well, for it, but. I, I mean, my understanding of harmonics is always that they're strongest at the uh, most basic fractions. Yes. So the 12th fret is the strongest because that's exactly half. Yeah. And then you get a third at the 7th fret and then a quarter at yeah. the 5th. So Some banjo science for you right there. <laughs> yeah. So that was, like, the it, most... A lot of the time you won't necessarily hear a song with with all harmonics like that because the way an instrument is tuned, you wouldn't necessarily be able to piece together a melody melody like that. But with a weird tuning like that, you can... 
do a really beautiful, interesting mel- melody and have all those notes precisely under your fingers. Yeah, I mean, there's also a technique wherein you uh, fret one of the strings with your left hand and then both um, hold your finger lightly over what, like the 12th fret or the equivalent of the 12th fret and play with your right hand so you can get what are called false harmonics. So, for example, this do is... Do you do this? Not, no. <laughs> it's I mean, more of a fiddle or a guitar thing, right? Although, yeah. uh, I mean, Bela Fleck, for example, does them all the time. Oh, of course. Um, <laughs> it's, it's just a trick. I mean, it takes a certain amount of practice. But, like, this is the natural harmonic at the 12th fret on the first string. But if you put down your finger on the second fret and then put your other finger over the 14th... Yeah, look at that. So... Yeah, very cool. Practice, practice, practice. <laughs> yeah, one of those banjo tricks. <laughs> There's a lot of them. Very cool. So uh, maybe I'll do my, uh, you know, shameless uh, commercializing here. Please. Uh, um, I'm actually uh, in the middle of making a banjo instructional website, mm. uh, Swingle's Banjo Miscellany. It's, it's, <laughs> it's, it's not open yet. Thank you. That <laughs> that was the response That's that I'm exactly hoping to get. That's exactly what it should be, yeah. Right. Um, Kind of in the spirit of some of the uh, the 19th century banjo primers or, or banjo manuals. Yeah. So the idea is to have a portal for all sorts of interesting uh, old-time banjo lore and knowledge. So explanatory pages on different banjo players and different styles, and then links to a lot of different banjo resources around the net. Um, in various groups like the, uh, the Banjo Collectors Group, for example. Um, in book reviews, too, hopefully. But the, the heart of the site, I think, is going to be um, tablature and uh, explanatory videos of yeah. some of these many weird banjo tunes that I've figured out. Um, right on. The thing that I think people are intimidated because they don't know what tuning things are in to begin yes. with. And also some sometimes there's some sort of right hand trick as well. But the thing to realize is that almost all of the tunes, the like weird, awesome sounding banjo tunes, are pretty straightforward. They're actually mm-hmm. like pretty simple once yeah. you understand what's going on. Um, and so I want to um, to put that uh, knowledge out there to the world. I remember I tried to learn that. Um, ooh, what is it? Is it? It's a red rocking chair or a sugar baby or something. Oh, it's uh, in some the, weird. The Hammond's uh, sugar babe, maybe. Maybe that's it. Is that mm-hmm. one in a weird tuning? Yeah. I remember trying to learn it and doing it in some standard mm-hmm. standard tuning and yeah. be like, this doesn't make any sense. It really doesn't. And then I looked it up and I was like, oh. And then I tried it out. I was like, oh yeah. Yeah, this just falls underneath the fingers. Exactly. Yeah, and many many tunes are like that. That they just end up uh, being relatively straightforward once you get everything yeah. perfect. So this is really exciting because for me as a banjo player, um, there there are, seem to be t- like just infinite fiddle resources, source yes. recordings, mm-hmm. transcriptions, but and that's what people listen to. But mm-hmm. I don't know where to find solo banjo music mm-hmm. and often maybe it's a little bit discouraged because solo banjo music is performative and not yes. necessarily like jammable take it into a jam you know but it's it's so like um it's such a big part of the tradition as well you know completely and i definitely see uh part of my uh, calling as as it to be somebody who uh, kind of presents this stuff and hopefully popularizes it like you say i mean old, old time uh like any living tradition, changes with the times and yes. responds to the needs of its uh, practitioners. So we play a lot of fiddle tunes now because they're jammable. And yes. Because, you know, you can go to Chicago or any place else and play the same, you know, yes. 150 tunes and people will know them. So you can play with people. It's become such a social uh, thing that way. But old time was much, much stranger back in the day yeah. than it is now. There was a lot more solo stuff. Um, well, you know, Nico's... Mm-hmm. Pappas was telling mm-hmm. me that like the Kentucky fiddling mm-hmm. tradition is like yeah. fiddlers sitting around a circle taking turns. Yes. Mm-hmm. Like they did not necessarily play together; they just yeah. performed for each other, and that was the way they jammed. Supposedly, uh, the Hammonds family was also like that. Um, mm. e- even when there were multiple musicians living in the same house with fiddles and banjos yes. and guitars, they wouldn't play them together. They huh. would take turns playing music. Uh, which so bizarre. Is just, yeah, exactly. Yeah. It's so strange to our generation. Here like, at Clifftop, yeah. you know, and we're just like, you know, monster jams of 50 people, you know. <laughs> Everywhere. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, so things change, but it is a shame because so many of the things that are not jammable 
uh, solo traditions particularly, but but you know a lot of the singing as well. You know, ballads have really uh, fallen away greatly. Yes, um, I remember seeing a quote from Mike Seeger uh, that he talked about one of the things that was most surprising to him. You know, having played old time music for his entire life, was that the singing dropped away completely because yeah. when he got started in the fifties. You know, if you listen back to those old, you know, Pete Seeger recordings or whatever, you know, he's going along with If I Had a Hammer and he says, you know, everybody sing it now. And everybody does. Yeah, and they yeah, sound yeah. great. And they're yeah. singing in harmony. And like, it's the whole room just starts to sing. And yeah. uh, that I don't think happens in America anymore. Yeah. Uh, for whatever reason, we just, uh, we're not singers in the same way. And so. It's a shame. Well, no reason it can't come back. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> not too late. Exactly. Yeah, um, the solo banjo stuff is around. Uh, it's just scattered in a lot of different places, which is one of the reasons that I want to yeah. put the site together, just oh. to be able to point people. And a lot of the resources are free. You have places like the Digital Library of Appalachia, mm-hmm. um, and there's a, a new site on the uh, music of Kentucky that was uh, recorded by Alan Lomax, and that's now all free, too, with biographical wow. details. Yeah, it's uh, it's pretty amazing. Write this down, folks. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> banjo players and banjo listeners. Uh, yeah, I yeah. think uh, Scott Prouty had a fair amount to do with the creation of the, sky, the site. Um, anyway. Right on. Yeah, so um, tell you what, uh, we're in kind of a uh, Kentucky mode, it seems. This is a square dance tune from the mountains of Kentucky by Banjo Bill Cornett that I'm going to play. Um, that's how he uh, introduces the tune. This is uh, his version of Buck Creek ga- Gals, or Girls, which is um, a Stony Point or a Pigtown Fling variant uh, in two parts. And actually, McKinley Asher played this too, and a bunch of people from that area, so it's obviously pretty standard, but Banjo Bill Cornett's version is the best. Banjo Bill apparently could uh, hold down a square dance all by himself on banjo. And uh, there's another thing you don't see so much anymore. Yeah, uh, certainly not. Yeah, definitely one of my ambitions in life to be able to do, you know, a two and a half hour square dance with no fiddle. <laughs> Here's a question. When you're um, listening to these source recordings and you're decoding them and you're preparing them to perform, yes. how literal are you? To the recordings, uh, do you you know often, especially in solo recordings, there's mm-hmm. a lot of variation. Yeah. Do you try to get all of those variations, mm-hmm. or do you try to synthesize a tune? Do you how many liberties do you take? I mean, anyone inevitably is going to change the tune, no matter how uh, close they get. Yes. I'm basically hue to the Mike Seeger philosophy, um, yeah, we'll which see. is he would. Um, I mean, he never spelled this out for me, but I, I mean, you can hear it in his tunes. Um, he would take uh, the tune, figure out all of the variations, and then often he would uh, take multiple versions of the tune and figure out one of his from that. Yes. Now a lot, a lot of the this solo banjo tunes that I do, you know, there's only one version, or like, or, or it's only that version that makes it musically compelling. So I don't mix versions like that, but I do figure out the different variants and. The ones that I like, I keep, and the ones that I don't like, I just don't play. But I tend to stay pretty close. Uh, Yeah, I I, I go basically as close as I can without any mistakes. Um, Because a lot of times they would make mistakes, and you you don't have to play that. (laughs) Um... Yeah, yeah, that would be real hardcore if you were like... <laughs> you know, there, there are people who, who want all the yeah. Tommy Gerald, you know, 
mistakes, but <laughs> it's not my philosophy. Yeah. No, that makes sense. Yeah, yeah he'd probably think mm-hmm. you were making fun of him. If he, I, 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 <laughs> I mean, <laughs> if he were around, he'd probably be very confused. Yeah. <laughs> I like the process of figuring out banjo tunes a lot. Um, it wasn't something I really started out to do. It just after a while, I realized I was doing a lot of it. Um, yeah, er- early, mm-hmm. uh, early banjo playing... Seth, what did that look like? Mm-hmm. Like, I was how how young were you again? Ten. Ten. Yeah, and I'm 27 now, so 17 years. Yeah. Um, you I going, was going uh, to festivals, mm-hmm. going to jams. Yeah. Yep. Um, yeah. Yeah. I started jamming pretty early. Uh, uh, my teacher Pete Vigor was was a strong believer in uh, kids being thrown out into jam sessions yes. when they're large enough, and uh, I am completely thankful that he did. Obviously. Um, yeah, I think just i think jamming is really important because it teaches you certain skills that you can't get on your own yes i also think that playing on your own is really important because it gives you skills that you don't get jamming and a lot of old-time musicians these days um are just jam players and if that's all you want that's fine i mean if you see this as a purely social music that's cool but to me it it, you, you lose some of the uh the interesting parts of an instrument if you're not willing to play it as a solo thing interesting Um, they're just tricks you can do when you're not playing with other people um yeah lots of jams lots of festivals there's a great uh uh little invitation only one around charlottesville called musicalia which mm. i uh, have gone to for years and years rock bridge too of course and then yes. mount airy and clifftop and eventually i started going to um uh down to the one outside of uh, independence um um gary what's that called um uh, Elk Creek. Yeah, Elk Creek. I've heard Te- of Elk yeah, Creek. Yes. Technically the Grayson County Fiddlers Convention, but right. generally called Elk Creek. Right. It's a really nice one. Are there um, any f- mm-hmm. fiddle fest, uh, old time festivals that are actually called, called by the, their actual yeah. name? I mean, Mount Airy, but. Right, right. Um, yeah, I think I think Mount Airy's the That old, might be it. Well, and like Taswell. I think Taswell is like everybody just calls it Taswell, so. <laughs> but yeah, generally they all have their, their little nickname. Yeah, no one calls Gennaro Fiddling uh, Bear. Bear. What? That's what it's called? <laughs> yeah, that's oh, what wow. it's called. It's called Fiddling Bear. Did not know that. <laughs> yeah. I didn't know it was anything other than Lake Gennaro. Yeah, that's just mm-hmm. where it's at. Yeah. <laughs> I feel sorry for people looking. I wonder what happens if you look up Clifftop on Google. I mean, obviously people find their way to the actual site. Yes, yeah. What is this thing? That, like the Great American String Band Appalachian Festival? Appalachian String oh, Band a- Festival. Appalachian. That's what it's go. called. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> I believe you. <laughs> Ostensibly. That's what it's supposed to be called. Uh, yes, yeah. Yeah. That's what'll be on the check. Um, so you said, mm-hmm. you kind of like offhandedly said, Mike never spelled this out for me. Have you yes. hung out with Mike Seeger? Yeah, I was really lucky. I had a, uh, um, a an apprenticeship, like a Virginia Folklife apprenticeship with him for a year. So it was through the Virginia Folk Foundation for the Humanities. Again, um, I'm glad I asked. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> That's a big deal. Yeah, it, it, it was a much bigger deal than I realized at the time. I, uh, I was 15, I guess, 14, 15, 16. Um, and I had no idea who he was. I mean, he was just some random old dude that was an amazing banjo player and knew all sorts of weird banjo stuff. Yeah. And it was probably helpful that I wasn't like, oh my God, Mike Seeger, because that right. just would have taken up time. But, right. <laughs> you know, it was, uh, it, it was wonderful hanging out with him. I really wish he were still around because I have many, 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 mm. many questions for him. Yeah. Uh, it's really annoying when, like, you're looking for some answer to something you finally find it in liner notes and at the very end it's like mike seager it's like could have just called him up on the phone yeah um i still go and see his uh his uh widow alexia seager pretty uh often she's a a really wonderful person and still has a lot of mike's instruments and all Hmm. but yeah i used to go over uh once or twice a month and we'd spend usually about three hours together or so Hmm. um mostly playing and doing a lot of listening we listened a lot together just and, to mm-hmm. recordings yeah mm-hmm. it's uh, field recordings that he'd made that other people had made just whatever he thought was important and uh he would burn me uh cds he was really into that and uh and uh tapes as well so he gave me tapes of uh just all sorts of uh interesting musicians uh, the mcgee brothers um dan gellert um some recordings he'd made of dan um just you know little, little little bits and pieces and in a strange way i'm still kind of on that path um i i ended up being a lot more i don't know if it's that i was influenced by him or just that i ended up 
doing the same things that he has. Mm. But I mean, yeah, he uh, he's a very interesting dude, and he did a lot of very good work. Um, How is he related to Pete? He's uh, Pete's younger half brother. Younger half brother. Mm-hmm. Interesting. Yeah. Yeah, that f- family is so fascinating. To yeah, me. yeah. Yeah, they've pumped out some good musicians too. Uh, <laughs> Peggy Seeger too yeah, is yeah. somebody we don't talk about as much in like the straight old time scene, but she's a killer banjo player and, and just a great all around musician as well. Yeah. Um, the last album that Mike did was a, uh, a duo CD with her of, uh, I think, mostly uh, children's songs. It's fantastic. It's really good. Does Mike have mm-hmm. just like a treasure trove of mm-hmm. uh, unreleased source recordings and stuff? I, he, I, yeah, I don't know. I mean, uh, upon his death, a lot of that stuff was uh, sent to the University of North Carolina, uh, Chapel Hill. So they have like the bulk of his stuff, I think. And some of that has been digitized and some hasn't. There's some great pictures if mm. you look up uh, on their site or through the Digital Library of Appalachia. There's some pictures that he took of just, um, oh, uh, what was her name? I'll remember. Um, Nellie Hampton? No. Anyway, there, there's all sorts of, yeah, interesting stuff down there. Yeah. Um, when I had, do you know Jake Blunt? Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. When I had him on the show, he. He shared, uh, it was it was all, if I remember right, it was all um, tunes from black fiddlers and banjo players okay. that primarily Mike Seeger had yeah. had recorded. Mm-hmm. And he said that the, those specific recordings mm-hmm. uh, were not available to the public. Uh-huh. And he was like, I'm not allowed to share these, but I'll learn them so I can play them on your sure. show. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I, I'm not surprised. I um, wonder how many of those are out there. A fair number. Yeah, Mike... Uh, was as in so many things uh, ahead of the curve um with the whole you know black uh, old time thing so yeah he thank did, goodness yeah seriously because yeah. if he hadn't recorded them then we wouldn't have him he was really into uh black banjo uh um he had uh stuff from jake uh, staggers he uh, really liked um a bunch of different people and of course uh i uh i got into some of it through through mike but um Really, uh, am a huge fan of Nathan Frazier um, from Frazier and Patterson. They were a string band duo that was recorded by uh, John Work III, who was the um, he, he was a professor and he also led the choir at Fisk University, which is a historically black university in uh, Nashville. So he just somehow I I don't know. I mean, this is, there, there's books out there on the guy. I just I don't haven't read any of them yet. Um, he somehow got the bug and decided that he was going to go out and record black vernacular music in the area. And again, thank God he did, because yes. he recorded the Gribble-York-Lusk uh, trio, um, which had Murph Gribble, who was a three-finger player. Um, really interesting stuff. Um, subtle. Very subtle. Um, very difficult to uh, mimic, actually. It's it's strange. Uh, it's great stuff. And then also... Uh, Nathan Fraser and Frank Patterson. Uh, Nathan Fraser was the banjo player, and Frank Patterson was a fiddler. And Nathan uh, also uh, sang. And he is just an insane dynamo of a banjo player. He's probably the strongest banjo player that I've ever heard. Um, like Hobart Smith levels of drive. Mm-hmm. Um, not uh, most perfectly accurate banjo player, but does fascinating things with uh, note density. He used yes. the fist string to, uh, you know, he would do whole passages where he wouldn't play the fist string at all just like incredibly powerful down picking of the melody and then he would throw in the fifth string and just wall-to-wall notes so really advanced uh quirky super strong banjo player uh i nathan fraser nathan fraser yeah so both of those uh the the bulk of those recordings are available commercially um through uh, a recording called Altamont, which I think, yes, yes, I, yes. I think Bob Carlin also did that one. Um, I've heard that mm-hmm. that um, ooh, what's it called? Uh, Apple Blossom is there's an Altamont yes. Apple Blossom. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and that's one of the uh, Murph Gribble one. The Gribble okay, York cool, ones. cool. And then from uh, I don't think any of the Fraser Patterson tunes have entered into the larger mm. old time repertoire. Um, Pole Black Sheep is one that they did. They also did a. Uh, uh, Texas Traveler, which is like, um, uh, it's like Cumberland Gap, I think. Mm. Um, they do a couple of songs that, that, you know, are obviously shared in both the black and white traditions. Um, they do a Corina, uh, Corina, Corina. That's super good. Um, Pull Black Sheep and, uh, Leather Britches are both just 
unbelievable uh, tunes. Um, yeah, yeah, he, he's head and shoulders above most. Hey, I hate to put you on the spot, <laughs> but um, <laughs> do you do you still play that Grigsby's hornpipe? I do, yeah. Would you be willing to play that yeah, for us? Absolutely. I know you weren't planning mm-hmm. on it, but I was just so captivated by that last year. Available on CD. <laughs> um... Did you get this from Eck Robertson? Yeah, he's, is he the only one? Is he the yes, source? He is. Do you he, know the story behind this tune, or like, here's a fill, uh, here's a tune no other fiddler plays but me. I got it from uh, Walker Hooker, old man Walker Hooker. <laughs> That's what he said. <laughs> That's awesome. I don't know if that part's included in Slippery Hill. Yeah, yeah, no, probably not. Yeah, and I'm trying to remember. I guess it was. I think he only played recorded that on uh, uh, the field recordings that Mike Seeger made. I don't think he recorded that like commercially, you know, uh, back in like the 20s when he was a young man. Yeah. Um, yeah. Man, Eck is so good. He's yeah. like obviously one of my favorites. Uh, World champion fiddler, or whatever it says on uh, his uh, yeah. grave. Oh, uh, <laughs> uh, yeah. What did they call um, Famous Cowboy Fiddler. Yeah. Was yeah. the name of his album. <laughs> Eck Robertson, Famous Cowboy Fiddler. Um, yeah. Which is so great. <laughs> great, great title. Yeah, yeah. seriously. Mike Seeger uh, wrote that his Sally Ann uh, might someday be equaled but never surpassed, and I firmly subscribe to that. That, yeah. that is just, it's unbelievable old time music. Now, uh, what's the name of your record that you, you uh, got this on? So, uh, uh, Seth Swingle, five and six string banjo. It's the uh, the only record out there with my name on it. Now, uh, when you say mm-hmm. six string banjo, yes. do you mean with a drone string or mm-hmm. do you mean like a guitar? I mean uh, a five st- typical five string banjo with an additional low string. Yes, um, so wonderful. A, a fifth long string, so five are, long, long short. Those are like mm-hmm. traditional, right? Yeah, like, I've, I've seen uh, Bob Smokula, for example, uh, um, had a, uh, a Vegas senator. Um, or a, a, a Fairbanks senator, I guess, uh, with often six I've, strings. Often I've kind of like coveted those because it'd be like, oh, it'd be so yeah. nice to just get that extra. It makes the fiddle tunes nicer. Yes. I, I initially got it so that I could follow uh, fiddle tunes through two octaves without getting out of like second position. Yeah, totally. Because, <laughs> um, you know, so many tunes, you know, you hit the bottom and you have to jump back up to the top. Yeah, yeah. Um, but actually, it's refreshing I, I, to hear a banjo player <laughs> refer to second position. Listen, I appreciate yeah, oh, that, well, <laughs> or whatever we call it. Yeah, um, especially a call hammer player. <laughs> yeah. Um, you know, I and the more that I play with the thing, uh, the less I use it just for straight melody playing. Hmm. Um, I like it as a drone uh, because then you can uh, hit it occasionally, and you get this low yes. hum going on. In addition to you know the fifth string as a drone. So if you get it into one of these, you know, banjo-specific open tunings and uh, play relatively fast, you get this enormous crashing wall of banjo-ness, mm. um, which I really like as yeah, an aesthetic. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, I, I'm not, you know, uh, I like a loud banjo, surely. Um, which is kind of the song, actually. So uh, this is uh, a little bit of a departure from uh, today's theme in that uh, this is a fiddle tune. Yes. Um, I worked this out. I've never... I mean, I'm sure people out there play it. I, I've never really heard another uh, banjo player do you know, it, although obviously people do I play this one, actually. Okay, cool, I, yeah. But yeah, I, I mean, and then I heard, people do. And then I saw that video of you playing it, and I was like, ah, oh, shoot, he sets on it. Yeah. <laughs> well, uh, we'll see if I remember all the parts. I think there's like seven parts. Yeah. Um, and Because there, there he does it up high, mm-hmm. and then he does it low, but he yeah. does it different low. So, Ex- yeah. Exactly. And he... Uh, he does some if you listen to his music enough um some of the variations that he does in this tune he does note for note in other tunes so i think that they were um they're like licks to him i think um i think uh, some of the variations are in that sally ann too some of the stuff that he does um yeah done melodic claw hammer style um there's a few little tricks nothing massive Thank you. 
That's so great! <laughs> Gives me the chills. That's oh, so good. Thank you. I love your I love your arrangement of it. It's, I, it's wonderful. It, it, wonderful. It, it was a lot uh, easier under my fingers last year when I played it all the time. You know? Well, I, it still sounds good, man. Thank you. Do you break that claw hammer stroke yeah. for like those hemiolas? Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's yeah. cool. Mm-hmm. That's cool. It takes a little bit of practice um, because you lose the... Mm, the the rhythm. I, I've it has never been a problem for me, but. Um, you know, your thumb is so much stronger than your index finger that yes. you really have to work. Yes. So, so it's not... Right, right, right. <laughs> so, you know, it takes it takes a while to um, kind of uh, rein in the thumb so that... That's great. Very cool. What, uh, what else do you have to play for us? Um, I lost track of how many tunes you played. I've just been uh, enjoying listening to you. Let's see. I think four now? Four more? Yes. Yeah, careful. Oh, four, four total. Yeah. This, yeah. this is a recording session. Oh, my. You'll never believe who stopped in. It's Arnie Neiman, the famous Canadian banjo player. Arnie. Arnie. <laughs> Welcome. The, ne- the next guest on the podcast. <laughs> That's well, I've been oh, seeing uh, uh, advertisements for your record. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah I'm Cameron. Um, okay. Let's see. What else was I going to play? Um, here's a tune that I got from uh, another really great album um, called uh, Look Who's Coming, Old Timers of the Grand Old Opry, which is the McGee Brothers with uh, Arthur Smith. So the old Dixie Liner, uh, Arthur Smith and his Dixie Liner lineup. And they line the tunes up. <laughs> uh, it's a completely fantastic album. Um, they did another one called uh, Milkham in the Evening Blues which I don't think is as strong but on that one at least they just they kill it it's a really uh, interesting mix they do some uh, guitar guitar uh, banjo and banjo guitar uh, duets which are just <laughs> fantastic mm-hmm. they're tuned down to F it's just like banjo flop and plunk and yeah. groove all over the place um, and then they do some straight ahead breakdowns which are just completely killer they do some like novelty songs um it's a great album. I, I highly recommend it. It's one of my favorites. It's also the source for uh, Needle Case and Snowdrop, yeah. which are two tunes that have yes. completely made it in. Out of uh, you know, I every time I see a, uh, a someone on Facebook, mm-hmm. you know, posting a video of themselves mm-hmm. playing banjo, maybe mm-hmm. like you know, roll a die and yeah, it's Snowdrop. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah Needle Case too. Um, Mike Seeger, I think, taught on taught it on one of his instructional videos, so uh, that probably helped the cause. Yeah. So. Um, it's, that uh, album actually is also the one that has a tune called Rock House Joe on it, uh, which is, again, just the McGee brothers playing it. And I think it's actually Kirk playing banjo, not uh, Sam, but I could be wrong. Maybe it's Sam. I guess it's Sam playing banjo on that I'm gonna one. I'm going to get so many angry tweets. Oh, yeah, exactly. You got the McGee brothers confused. I'm sorry. Uh, yeah, I'm a banjo expert. Um, <laughs> Anyway, uh, he does uh, three distinct right-hand picking styles within the same tune. Wonderful. Um, which Mike Seeger, that, that is one that I learned from him, and uh, 
he was like, oh yeah, I think that's the only tune that I've ever heard of that does that. It goes through three different styles. But Uncle Dave used to routinely put in two different styles. And so this song is one that the McGee brothers got from Uncle Dave and one that I got from them. Um, and it uses uh, uh, up picking and uh, three finger. This is a whoop em up, Cindy. Whoop em up, Cindy. <laughs> might get a little loud. Cindy. Yeah. yeah. Oh man, that's wonderful. Well, I uh, I think we got time for one more tune. You got one okay. more tune in you? Yeah. Um thanks so much for being on the show, Seth. Yeah. This was uh delightful and uh you have so much so many wonderful rare things to give. Uh, thank you. Well, yeah. uh, and and hopefully to uh sell as well. Yeah, yeah. Um certainly. Anything else you want to you want to plug? Your record, your uh, your website yeah, coming out? Uh, yeah, um, I've got um, just a website uh, for myself up, sethswingle.com, um, just as it sounds. Um, and I've got pictures on there of, like, all my uh, banjos and little descriptions of them and, and some of the other instruments I play. Um, I wanted to put some high-quality pictures up there. Just I'm, I'm really into just, like, musical organology in general. I just like mm. looking at instruments and thinking about what makes them sound the way that they do. Yeah. Um, so I've got, you know, pictures up there that people can look at. Um, and I don't know, whatever, a, a bio. And you can also buy the CD. So if you like that Grigsby yeah. Horns bite, it sounds way better on the album because <laughs> I was in practice. Um, All right, if yeah. you can imagine that, get that CD. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, that's, that's about it, I think. All right, thanks again, man. Uh, yep. So uh, here's the last uh, song. This is one uh, from Lee Sexton, and I believe that he got this from his uncle Morgan, but maybe he got it there from himself. And if you're really curious, you could drive to his house and ask him because he's still around. 89 years old, I believe. Hurry.
ocean were whiskey and I was a duck I'd drive to the bottom and never come up If you want to hear more of Seth's music, go to sethswingle.com and click store. There you'll find a link for his album, Solo 5 and 6 String Banjo, which you should totally buy. If you want to play like Seth, unfortunately he hasn't yet started that instructional website, but you should go to Mara and Jay White's house on September 30th, where Seth will be teaching a banjo workshop and giving a concert with former guest of the show, Brian Slattery, who will be giving a fiddle workshop. I'll include a link in this episode's description and in the Facebook post. If you want to support Get Up in the Cool and get super cool exclusive rewards, go to CameronDeWitt.com and click the button that says Patreon. Our most popular reward by far is access to the secret bonus track blog, which this week features Seth and I playing Rebels Raid as a banjo duet. You should really hear it. Big thanks to my newest Patreon supporters, Christine Lovelace, Shell Sandler, David Perrin, and my banjo student, Julia Nelson. Hi, Julia. Thanks. And I've also gotten some very generous non-Patreon support from Harry Bullock, Ruth Rappaport, and Banjo Judy, who elected to support Get Up in the Cool on a yearly basis, which was so generous and encouraging. Thank you all for keeping the show running. Sorry I missed an episode last week. Things got crazy as I was prepping for Clifftop. But now, I have seven new episodes worth of material to add to the backlog, so get ready for an old time. Thanks for listening, friends. Make sure to come back same time next week for more Get Up in the Cool. <laughs>